You are listening to the Gentleman's Scofflaw Podcast. Listener beware. Rise and shine, the liquor store is open. I ain't got time for moping. I best be on my way. Well, I still got time to save my reputation. Time to go day drinking in this dirty little town. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the Gentleman's Scofflaw Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Armand Crowder. I put my middle name in there this time because it's nice and it doesn't get to poke its head out every now and then. Yes, so, and with me, as usual, are John G. Goodman and Donovan Fowler. How are you guys doing? Hello. Uh, it's, a, it's a great pleasure. Great pleasure. You Once ju- again. Yeah. You just put your middle name in there because you want to appeal to all the, uh, the French... French I do. people I out there, you want to appeal to the French crowd, expand and, uh, our the, French audience, the older generation that uh, that had names like Armand. Armand. I should have just been called Armand. It's a much cooler name than Jordan. Jordan that, is like the millennial name that everybody has. I feel like that's the name of somebody in Count of Monte Cristo. So, uh, what are you guys? What do you guys got there today? I know uh, Donovan's doing his uh, Catholic thing. My my, uh, my papist uh, yeah. my papist thing. Yeah, yeah I'm doing uh, Kona coffee. Uh, right now, yeah, it's uh, you know it's a little late in the day, but um, when you're when you do what I do, coffee is never there's there's no better time for coffee than the present. How about you, John? What do you got there? Uh, Coors Light. No. Mm. <laughs> no. How do they spell it? L I T E or? <laughs> <laughs> How do they get away with spelling light that way? I think they're. I think it's like. I, I think they were like, "Hey, we want to make it different, so we're gonna, you know, we're gonna but pretend they that all, we're illiterate." They all followed suit, though, right? Because light always spelled that way. No, oh, they no. did spell it right on that. It's game. only they did spell it right. It's only Miller. Miller oh. spells it L I T E. Well, I've got, well, nobody drinks Miller. I, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. Hey, we just alienated a good portion <laughs> of our audience. I'm all drinking some uh, Monkey Shoulder uh, Scotch, which. Uh, I really, I, I enjoy it. Shout out to, uh, I guess, Nathan Carter. I had it at a dinner party once, and uh, I enjoyed it quite a bit. So, uh, <laughs> What kind of scotch is it? Like, uh, does it come from, where does it come from? Is it a, a, I, don't, I don't know scotches. I guess scotch would come from Scotland. I don't know scotches. I'm, I'm revealing that I don't know anything about it. Scotchland? <laughs> Scotchland. It's just good. And I'm smoking my little uh, pocket uh, barracini pipe. And in it, I've What's in that pipe? got some uh, vanilla custard something in rather. For those of you who can't see, which is everybody but us, uh, Jordan's pipe is like the size. It's like an elf pipe. And I don't mean like Lord of the Rings elf pipe. I mean like uh, Santa's workshop elf pipe. <laughs> it's very tiny and looks even tinier in, in, in his I'm not going to lie. In his hands. It looked bigger when I ordered it online. That's and then when I got said. it, I was like, this looks like a hash pipe. Only to the uh, the uninitiated, but it doesn't. It's it's. I know it's not supposed to be, but that's kind of that's why I. It's supposed to be like a pocket. You know, you take it, you keep it in your pocket, maybe in your suit pocket, which we'll it's talk. A little too stubby for my liking. <laughs> that's what she said. Um, <laughs> speaking <thought>. of pockets, <laughs> speaking <laughs> speaking of pockets, uh, we're gonna have a, a, a Tanner Guzzy on. Uh, later today, and uh, maybe he could tell us what kind of pockets uh, are appropriate to have on your clothes and what kinds aren't. He is a style blogger for masculine-style.com, and he actually has some uh, really good insight and tips for men that are looking to upgrade their style and uh, and you know be a little more confident in life. The answer is pockets. Just put pockets all over just whatever you're wearing. Pockets everywhere. Yeah, just pockets everywhere. So uh, what's uh, what's going? What has been going on in your weeks, uh, John? Anything happen interesting to you up there in uh, in that uh, land of polar bears and flying hockey pucks? <laughs> I was at the pharmacy this morning, and it's in a strip mall. And as I'm leaving, about fifty yards down the road, I see, you know, this homeless fellow going through a garbage can, and I thought, you know, I, I feel like it's a good day to to help somebody. Okay. You know, I'll, I'll t- Offer to take him across the street for a sandwich or something. So as I'm walking towards him, I'm building up my courage because they're scary people. And uh, he's going through the trash. And I notice he's throwing all the trash on the ground. So I said, well, screw this. I'm not buying him a sandwich. He's polluting. 
then I walked right by him and he, he talked to me, but I ignored him. Oh. Well, that's, so you didn't end up getting him a sandwich? No, I was put off by the, you know. The, litter bug. The, the litter bug. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. You know, I've always said just because somebody's homeless doesn't mean they're a saint, you know. I feel Sometimes like <laughs> they can be jackasses. It's true. It's true. There's this weird millennial, like our generation obsession with like, it's almost like if if you're if you're really really poor, you must be a good person. Yeah. But it's not always true. I mean, I speaking from personal experience. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, no. I, Sometimes you're just really bad at banking. Yeah, I mean global warming. Let's just let's just admit it's all about homeless people. It's that they're the cause because they're it. crapping outside and it's creating <laughs> greenhouse gases. Jenkum, <laughs> we're going full circle with that. Uh, yeah, speaking of uh, homeless people, somebody stole my patio umbrella. And by stole, I mean the wind took it away today, and I was really pissed. It's been a windy day here in L.A. Yeah, I was, I was, I was looking down the, uh, like, uh, this little kind of drainage ditch area where I live. It kind of looks like where, uh, you know, where the greasers in, uh, in the movie Grease, they're like, they race their cars at the end of the movie. That's what it looks like. It's like behind it's basically my the L.A. River. I mean, it's like Is that's it? what the L.A. River looks <laughs> no. like now. They're trying <laughs> to they're trying to make it look better by replanting, but it's all concrete. I think it went down that way, but I don't know. So if you happen to live in the area and you see a patio umbrella, uh, uh, just give me a call or a dirty homeless person man carrying dot- a patio umbrella. <laughs> man dash eight one scoff with two F's, and uh, uh, hopefully I can get that thing back because it I, I'm out thirty bucks. It was a nice umbrella. I mean, we've we've uh, smoked and uh, and and grilled and drank many many a thing under that umbrella. Yeah, but you know what? Actually, the first thing that I thought was, well, usually we're doing that at night. I was like, why why are why did we have the umbrella if we're usually out here at night? That was the first thing that came to mind. Not to say I don't miss it. I do well, miss it. it does keep the leaves off the That's table, true. and it has lights on there so we can see at night. That, that is also true. And it yeah. had a speaker on, too. I know. It it's such a pain in the butt that that's gone. I posted on Nextdoor about it. I was like, hey, if anyone's seen my patio umbrella, I'd really like to have it back. <laughs> Well, good luck with that. Let's hope it. What happens. about you, Donovan? What's interesting in your week? Um, I mean, basically, I uh, well, I, I was perusing the um, movie news as I do because I'm a huge film buff, and uh, I uh, I actually I forgot about this movie because it seems to like be a movie that everybody was talking about, and just over time, like it's just it takes forever to come out, and um, it's this movie, Lost City of Z. Which everything seems to have a Z in the title. Like, Does that mean well, it's a zombie movie? Is that what no, that means? no, 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 no. That's what you think. Like, like there's so many Z movies. There's there's World War Z. There's Z. That, that's a zombie movie. right? That's a zombie movie. Okay. Z, which is about Zelda Fitzgerald. That's like an Amazon series, that's which actually what, is a connection to this because this was produced by Amazon as well. Yeah. But this was this. I is, thought you meant this because Rick Schick worked on that show when he was on our podcast. Oh yeah, he did. Yeah, he mentioned yeah. that. Yeah. Um. But anyways, this this is uh, uh, based on a book, uh, which is based on the adventures of this um, this uh, explorer named uh, Percival Harrison Fawcett. I don't know how many times he got beaten up in, in boarding school for that name. <laughs> Poor Percy. <laughs> Poor oh, Percy. Percy. Yeah, that was actually that. That's the yeah. That's the abbreviated name Percy. But anyway, so he 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 had this whole theory that that he had found El Dorado out in the middle of the Amazon and he called it um Z. He called this city just Z. And he he was He's not very inventive guy, is he? Well, <laughs> he, he was probably just tired. He was He's like you know, this is this is fair, my last city. To be fair, he Z. Had, to be fair, he had already he had worked for the British Secret Service in North Africa and had gone through a world war at this point. So I think I think he's entitled to call it whatever he wants. Um, but that being said, uh, the guy was interesting. I mean, people thought he was kind of crazy, but he um, he had been out in the you know in the world of archaeology for a little while. People like Indiana Jones are kind of based off guys like this. It was kind of that like you know 1920s era of uh, of archaeology and exploration. But he's famous because he got lost out in the out in the wilderness and never came back. I mean, nobody ever saw him again. So he's like the Amelia Earhart of the jungle? Kinda, yeah. I mean, it's kind of like that. You know, he and his son and well, another you know guy. He was eaten by an anaconda. 
that it's entirely possible. They don't know. I mean, they basically, there are many theories as to what happened to him. He actually said, if we get lost, don't send anybody after us, but human mercy and, and sympathy being what it is, they sent <laughs> many people after him and a hundred guys died trying to find him. So, uh, so Wait, anyways, were they trying to find him or were they trying to find this lost city? That might, <laughs> well, that's a good, yeah. that's a good question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, uh, we'll yeah, find him. We're going to go look for Percy. We're going to try to find per- Oh, look at the gold. Uh, just in case. <laughs> we find a lost city of gold, you know. But anyways, um, there there are many rumors as to what actually happened to him. Uh, there's one that he uh, lost his mind and became the chief of a cannibal tribe. There's uh, another that, um, you know, he died in natural causes. There's this one guy who says that he ran into a group of natives out there who are very secluded and some had never seen a European. And uh, he said that they, they, they admitted to killing them. That basically there's like a, there was like the protocol in the jungle was basically you give gifts if you want to travel through the territory and uh, apparently their raft collapsed at one point they lost half the gifts and then they got to the next tribe and they were like no gifts we're gonna kill you and well, that's uh, it's like a bad girlfriend i know yeah right <laughs> <laughs> Look, honey, I didn't. I just didn't have any money, but you know, I. Uh, I you forgot know, it was Valentine's I Day. I could spend time with you. <laughs> nope, we're gonna we're gonna kill you and dump your bodies in the river. Um, so the movie's entirely conjecture. Well, it's based off of an. It's based off just several accounts and kind of it is like conjecture of what might have happened. It's kind of, you know, it's half of it is is real life testimony, and then half of it is probably what what would have happened, but. That being said, it comes out um, April 14th, 2017, which uh, is a couple weeks from now. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, it's it just looks interesting. Check out the trailer. Check out the poster. The cinematography actually looks really good. The director yeah. is like, you know, he seems to, like, Charlie Hunnam's in it. Um, Robert Pattinson's in it. And uh, actors seem to like to work with this director because okay. I, I, I seem to see consistent, like Mark Wahlberg has worked with him several times, Joaquin Phoenix. So it's, you know, it could be, it actually could be a cool, I mean, you're, you're, you're guaranteed a lot of, you know, khaki leather and jungle. So, you know, very manly, very, very manly. Very Tarzan. I don't know. Scoff that that didn't sound very manly. You talking about uh, you wanting to go see a movie for the costume design? But <laughs> hey, um, hey. <laughs> we gotta wear something in the jungle. We gotta be civilized. You know? <clears throat> oh, oh, I have to look out for that. Maybe we'll do a review. And actually, you know what? Yeah. Maybe uh, uh, we could go see some of these movies and review them after the fact. And that could be like an extra perk for the Patreon page. Mm. I'd like that. If you guys want to support the show, we're starting a Patreon here this month. And uh, let us know what sort of perks you'd like to get if you were to support us on Patreon. That, That could be one of them. Yeah. We, we will never lead you astray in terms of movies. We'll always tell you whether it's good or bad and and we'll save you money. And we might have a VHS giveaway. <laughs> a VHS giveaway. Jeez, that would have been Man, like... We could have giveaways for them, a year please. if we go to a Goodwill. <laughs> that would have been in the twilight days of VHS, right? Yeah. That would have been one of the last movies. Well, if you're listening to us right now, you probably have found us on one of the listening mechanisms, apps, whatever you call them out there. Uh, we are on iTunes, Stitcher, and uh, Google Play, and uh, many other podcatchers. But if you want to interact with the show, if you want to send us questions, if you want to uh, have some of your feedback read on the air, which we do sometimes, uh, actually, that's what this next segment is going to be. Let's just go to the next segment. Listener Mail. Today we have uh, listener feedback from... Michael Morrison on Twitter, and he says, "Stupid question." I don't. There's no such thing as a stupid question, Michael Morrison. You don't have to. You don't have to qualify. All questions are good. Seems very politically correct. But I'll, I'll allow it. <laughs> um, he said, "On the art of manliness, you played a character using a safety razor. Do you use one personally, and have any tips?" And he's referring to uh, the character of Bill on the art of manliness. Which um, and I did in I do use a safety razor actually, and um, if you watch that video in which I use a safety <laughs> razor, there are uh, some decent tips in it. Um, but I don't know if you guys use safety razors. I've been using one for about you know since 2010, so about 
I don't yeah. know, was that six years now? Seven I've been using years? one since like for the last five years or so. I, I, I picked I picked up on it. I yeah. think I, you know, your video may have actually led me on to it. Really? Right? But it was also just like I remember seeing them in movies, uh like uh Sean Connery and uh Bond uses a safety razor. And I just remember looking at it and being like, How do you how does one shave with that? Yeah. Like what's the like it seems very strange. Well, um, I didn't really know what it was about. It looks like it's very strange and like archaic when you look at it, like, oh, why would I touch my face with that thing? But honestly, once you use it, you end up getting a better shave than you've ever had. At least that was my experience. That's I've true. got curly hair and I've got sensitive skin and coarse hair. So that combination just doesn't work well for like the standard kind of razors you get out of a cartridge at stores. I started, I started with the Mach 3, worked yeah. my way up to the Mach 4, found it was too much Mach. <laughs> <laughs> too much Mach. Too much Mach. Did you ever jump up to the Fusion? Have you ever gone uh, that no, far? I don't have the guts for I that. I did the fusion. <laughs> I did the fusion with yeah. the vibrating handle. Oh, gosh. Uh, and it was the <laughs> stupidest thing ever. The tr- the, well, the truth is, now, I, I don't want to get conspiracy theorist about this, but the reason why we have cartridge razors is because it was another way to make money. I, I could see that. Gillette's patent Wait, is this on the be safety like Adam razor ruins everything. <laughs> yeah, Adam ruins everything. Yeah. Well, I think Gillette's patent was going to run out on the safety razor replacement blades, and anyone could produce it. I th- or or maybe it was something like everybody was producing the blades. Yeah, or something like that. And they're like, we got to come up with some new technology that people well, want. And they created cartridge razors, which are made of inferior quality, and they do a number on your skin. They're not good for your skin. You get ingrown hairs and all that. All yeah. That well, well, honestly, like I that was kind of my like my thing was that i i got fed up with cartridge razors because i don't shave every day yeah um and you know i think a lot of young men probably don't shave every day these days and the problem was is that i would shave after like having maybe three or four days of stubble on and then it would get caught up in the cartridge razor part like the like the three blades or whatever and it would get stuck in there and you'd have to take like a toothpick or something and get it out and it would dent the blades and cause you to get cut so I switched over to the safety razor because I thought, well, this looks like it's easier to clean at yeah. least. And it was. And then on top of that, it does give you a much like to me, it gives me a much better shave. Yeah. Um, and the blades are cheaper. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just, you know, it's a it's a good piece of hardware. But you look at like if you go to a Target or something and you're buying razors, uh, replacements for a fusion. Yeah, it's like. 20 bucks for yeah. like what four my, blades my roommate had an interview and he had to buy uh, uh blades and he he couldn't believe it it was like yeah. 20 bucks for it's like ridiculous. Four. Yeah. yeah and so i buy blades every maybe two or three years because i shave maybe twice a week um just because i don't i don't need to you go lazy bastard <laughs> <laughs> uh, and i probably should shave more but just because i'd like to avoid the irritation if i can and mm. i feel like that's that's been a good balance but I'll buy a pack of a hundred blades and it'll cost me like twelve bucks. Yeah. And it'll last me like three years. So you do the math. Like I mean the razor like if you buy the razor handle at first, it might cost you thirty to forty bucks. I mean you can get an Edwin Jagger uh safety razor even, for thirty bucks. You can even find them used in thrift stores. Yeah. I mean they're that good that they last that long. And I mean a used safety razor is stainless steel. So, yeah. you know, there's no sense of like, oh, like this is this is dirty yeah. or like you know you don't get a sense. And you can used. restore them up pretty well too mm-hmm. if you want to if you want to make them like new. Actually, I uh, was at the uh, Big Shave West last year, and I have an old Gillette from the '60s. This is an adjustable razor, and the guys over at Razor Emporium took it and they totally just revamped it for me. And it's like it's it's one of the best razors I have. Like it's just like because you could adjust it and everything. And it's you know the thing is you know like fifty years old. It's insane. Um, but they never they never break down. Um, but yeah, I would recommend just playing around with the angle on it. Don't give up after the first try if you do get one. Um, because I the first time I did it, I had a bloody mess all over my face. I was trying to use it like a cartridge what, razor. What you want to do is you want to let the weight. It's it's a heavy thing, so yeah. you want to almost let the weight of it guide. Uh, the shave, mm-hmm. uh, which sounds like a Jedi like mind trick, but that's <laughs> that's the way it is. Let the weight guide the Let blade, Daniel son. The weight will guide you. <laughs> um, but yeah, but yeah. How many how many mock is uh, <laughs> safety? It's, mock? It's, it's enough mock. It's to, enough mock. To it's all the mock you need. Just it's all the yeah. <laughs> 
Don't worry about the mock, guys. Don't worry about the mock. <laughs> well, thank you, Michael Morrison, for that question. And let us know if you try it. We'll put some links in the show notes. I'll link to some uh, good kind of starter safety razors that um, work great and some blades and all the stuff you would need. Um, just click the link in the show notes, which is at gentlemanscofflaw.com. And that has been... Listener Mail. All right, I'm really excited for this next guest. Um, I've been following him on YouTube for a while. Um, he's, I guess, what you would call a style blogger. I guess he could clean the, clean that. He could clear that up for us. Um, his name is Tanner Guzzi, and he uh, has a website called MasculineStyle.com. Tanner, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me on, guys. I'm excited. Yeah, um, I came across your YouTube channel. It's funny because our our um, our name is Gentleman Scofflaw. It's kind of kind of an ironic name. Uh, just kind of we're joking around with it and everything. But I came around uh, across one of your videos a while ago called "Why I Am Not a Gentleman," and I remember <laughs> like, oh, I'm intrigued by that. I wonder what he's going to say. And um, yeah, you had a really intriguing video talking about you know the history of what a gentleman is and why you weren't one. I wonder if you could cover some of that with us today. Why are you not a gentleman? It's funny because it's I, that video gives me a lot of hate, and I guess in in a way that's by design. But I feel like the term gentleman has gone through so many iterations, and the way that it's currently defined right now is a way for weak-minded doormat men to be able to say that their niceness and their subservience is somehow masculine. Yeah. Whereas it used to be that it was a way for powerful men who were capable of doing violence or building the world in their own image or affecting change or you know shaping society, men who were capable of doing that and they had power would temper their power and then they would use it for good or they would temper it to allow other people to flourish and do other things. And now it's just a way for weak-willed, weak-abled men to just say, well, no, I'm a, I'm a gentleman. And it's like, no, no, you're not, because there's no virtue in not doing something if you're incapable of doing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, you think like now, I think definitely in, in kind of modern culture, when you hear the word gentleman, you think of somebody that's kind of, you know, that's kind of shy and subservient and, you know, that doesn't want to kind of be necessarily manly and, you know, whatever that means. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's, I think that's definitely a good point. Um, and that, that word has definitely changed over time. And then it led me to another video that you had talking about, uh, what you referred to as gentleman cosplay. And it's funny because I had always thought this, but I had never found anybody that had kind of like pinpointed it and gave it a name. But I'll be searching around, just browsing around on Instagram or something, and I'll see these guys that are just, you know, they think they're dressed to the nines, but they look like cartoon characters. I mean, I think that there's there's a way to be, to, to be stylish and, and masculine but not have, dare I say, the foppishness of some of these, of what people think is like, no, this is how a gentleman should dress. But you, you look like a, like a clown, I think. I don't know. That's just what I Absolutely. think. Absolutely. Well, and the problem with it is that it is – it, it really is. It's cosplay. It's harkening back to a specific time in which wearing that clothing would have actually been appropriate, mm -hmm. but somehow thinking that doing it now constitutes dressing better or being a better man or being a better, you know, air quotes gentleman when really it's like saying, well, I'm going to put on greaves and a toga and somehow that's going to make me a gladiator. <laughs> like, no, no, no. I mean, obviously it's comical when we go to that extreme, yeah. but for some reason, if we take it to the fifties or the forties or the thirties and we think that, you know, I never walk out of the house without a hat on yeah. that somehow that makes you a better man. And Society evolves and yep. people's expectations change. And if you're not able to at least give a nod to that, it shows a complete lack of social fluency. And rather than indicating that you're kind of above the fray, you just look like an idiot. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> yeah. It's... I mean, I get a lot of hate for that one too, but really the guys who they're wearing, they're all kitted out and stuff from the thirties or the forties and it's perfectly vintage and they're following all those old traditional rules thinking that somehow that's making them better. 
it's not, and they just look like they're socially incapable of understanding the world around them. Yeah. Well, and I, I see a lot of guys like in LA, especially the trend is uh, even to go back to the seventies. That's sort of the <laughs> hipster thing now. And they go mm-hmm. full on into it. It's like, I, I once saw a guy in a cafe. He looked like he had stepped out of a time machine, but then naturally takes out his iPhone seven and starts scrolling <laughs> through, you know, <laughs> stuff. but it's, yeah, it's, it's funny how it's, 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 it's kind of, it's also, I find it, it, it also is kind of a poor substitute maybe for character. Uh, like mm-hmm. you think that, you know, you're, you, you think that because it, the way you dress defines you or the decade that you are yeah. obsessed with defines you. Well, I think that you bring up a good point in some of the, uh, the, the, the videos you have on YouTube where you talk about you talk about that dress isn't necessarily something that defines you, but it affects the way people see you and it's important. Do you expand upon that? Talk about why you think dress is important and what does it say about a man? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the way that I found is the best way to explain all this is that clothing is it's communication. And I think a lot of times people say, well, I, I don't care what other people think of me. I don't care what I dress like or I don't care what I look like, especially a lot of modern men. You know, you've got the one extreme of the gentleman cosplayers and then the other where it's the guy who's still wearing the same Captain America T-shirt, cargo shorts and combat boots. And he thinks that that somehow is you know, that's masculinity there and not caring what he looks like. And that's the equivalent of saying me speak good English, no need conjugation, people understand words say. <laughs> it's like, well, yeah, but you communicate certain things by your fluency, by your choice of language, by your dialects, by your slang, by all these other variables, and that's the exact same thing with your clothing. You can whine about the fact that people are going to judge you or associate what kind of person you are or the tribe that you belong to or any of these other variables, But the reality is, is that clothing is communication and a major component of communication is what's being interpreted by the person who's receiving it. And it's our responsibility to make sure that we are accurately portraying things so that the people who receive it can get an accurate of a picture of us as they possibly can. Yeah. And it's it's funny. um, I I remember you talking about how you used to, in your younger days, be uh, be in a ska band. Uh, and, and, <laughs> yes. and and John would know because we grew up together in, in, when I lived in Canada. I played in punk bands as a kid. And, um, you know, I used to act like, oh, I don't care how I look or whatever. But I spent so much time picking out, you know, the right band T-shirt, the right, you know, the right height of socks, the right, you know, sneakers, everything to make it look like I didn't care. Um, and it's just, I don't, I don't think that that, you know, people act like that. Oh, I don't, I don't care about how I look, but you are thinking about every single aspect of how you look. It's just, you want to put that out there. I don't yeah. know. Well, and especially in the punk rock tribe, there is nothing, there's nobody who cares more about what they look like than like gutter punks. Everything is so meticulous and so perfectly calibrated to give the middle finger to the rest of the world. Yeah. But you can't say that that's not intentional because they wouldn't accidentally show up in a Tommy Hilfiger pair of chinos or something from Ralph Lauren or anything else, because that's totally antithetical to their whole approach to life. Yeah. And they get that. We got that. I got that as a high school kid. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You think that you're, you know, somehow, you know, sticking it to the man or whatever mm. because you're wearing a, a newfound glory T-shirt or whatever, <laughs> whatever it was back in the day. Uh, you just dated all of us. <laughs> oh man, I. Uh, it's funny because I was. This is on an off tangent, but recently I just for some reason I fell into this this wormhole of uh, my friend told me about it, about all these <laughs> these punk rock guys that have podcasts that are basically all from like the late 90s early 2000s and oh, they have all each other on the show so it's it's very interesting you could definitely go t- fall down the wormhole on listening to those things um yeah um and then there's you claim that there's a very distinct uh difference between uh style and fashion and uh when people hear what does that mean when people hear fashion and hear style a lot of people think oh that's that's kind of the same world yeah, it's one that I I actually get kind of – I probably get a little bit more irritated than I should when people say that you, I write on fashion or I do a YouTube channel about fashion or anything. But for me, the big, the big difference – and it actually comes back to kind of what you were talking about, especially, Donovan, what you were saying about it's sad when people define themselves by their clothing as opposed to having their own internal character. Fashion is something that gives you 
external credibility and it projects it onto you inwardly. Whereas style is taking something that you've already established inwardly and then you externally project that out into the world so that people around you can better understand who you are based on what you're wearing. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, but I would think that the, the kind of uh, catch 22 with that uh, scenario would be you're kind of anticipating what the person looking at you will get, you know, like the, you're, you're trying to present uh, yourself in a way that you're expecting them to receive you. You, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Which I yeah, think and obviously be... you'll never be able to do it perfectly. Yeah. yeah, that's true. I guess that is I, that is a good point, John. Um, which, um, well, what do you? Th- I mean, your site is called Masculine Style. So, I mean, what defines masculine style? What do you think is masculine style? I mean, how can we bo- be more masculine in our styles? <laughs> so I I love this question because it comes down to more about the philosophy and and the story you're trying to tell with your clothing than necessarily you need to wear this article of clothing or or that color or this pattern because if you think about at any point in history across any culture, men have always communicated our masculinity through the clothing that we've worn. Mm -hmm. Even when you look at like the baby boomers and their rejection of suits in that culture, for them, that was a way to communicate masculinity was rejecting the man and, and doing all these other things. And so it's always been something that we've cared about. And it's just finding the universal stories that have always been told, the universal things that have always been communicated. Um, I know that you guys are all familiar with Brett McKay from the art of manliness. I'm sure yep. you've probably mm-hmm. heard some of his podcasts with Jack Donovan who wrote the way of men. Oh yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We were yeah. Just and about Donovan him. talks about, yeah, he's awesome. And his stuff is, I mean, it's certainly not for like the, the weak willed or the weak minded because he pulls no punches, yep. but I love that he takes an amoral approach to masculinity. He talks about the four tactical virtues, which are courage, strength, mastery, and honor. And if you think about it, you can tell those stories. You can indicate where you fit within those virtues through your clothing. You can you can tell whether or not you are a strong man or you have courage or that you're loyal to your tribe or that you're uh, you're really, really good at something. A lot of that stuff is really subtly indicated through the clothing that we choose to wear. I, in the last couple of years, I was like, thinking I'm a, I'm a grown man. I'm about to be 30. What are some things that I can do that don't make me look like a kid. And that was like, I, I decided I'm not going to wear hoodies unless I'm working out. And I'm not going to wear running shoes out of the house unless I'm going to work out. And those are like two things that I thought in my head that like, you know, that to me, that makes me look like a teenager. I don't know. That's, that's what I thought for me. And I didn't, I felt like if I left the house that way, I don't feel like a man is what I thought. Um, so what was the impetus for that? What made you decide that you didn't want to look like a kid anymore? I don't, I don't know. I just, I, I just, I felt like I was just, you know, as time in life, like I'm, I'm I definitely feeling like I'm, I'm growing older. I, you know, I'm, I'm married. I've got my own business, all this stuff. I'm like, I don't, like, I want people to see me as an adult, like, especially I've got clients and stuff. I don't want to think them to think of me as like this, this kid. And I'm like, my style was never very, I mean, other than the punk rock days was never really like childlike. But for me, mm-hmm. I thought that those two things, I realized whenever I wear these things, I don't, I don't feel like a man for some reason. I know it's not the same for everybody. Um, that and flat build caps for some reason. That's just that's just me. <laughs> but, uh, but I never wore flat build caps. Um, are there like I know there's not a one size fits all for everyone, but are there some small ways or certain things that you could suggest that men can upgrade their style to kind of feel like they're you know they're progressing on to a more manly kind of masculine style? Yeah, I think actually what you were talking about is is such a good approach because what it sounds to me like what you did is you took your style from being something that was just kind of a neutral. It wasn't necessarily working against you. It's kind of the equivalent of you were wearing deodorant. You know, you weren't smelling <laughs> awful. You were just kind of in the neutral territory. Yep. And now you started to wear cologne. You started to progress so that your style is a little bit more in that in that positive direction. But even the things that you kind of associate with childishness or non-professionalism are very much relative to what your own clients perceive or the way that your own your own social circle, your own audience perceives those things. And so when I'm working with my own clients one-on-one or with my group classes, what I tell guys to do as they start to try to improve their style is rather than getting rid of all your t-shirts and focusing on button-ups or you know, getting rid of flat build caps and wearing fedoras or any of these other kind of easy <laughs> things, because <laughs> all of those are fraught with their own kind of downfalls, yeah. is pay attention to the men whom you aspire to be like 
and see not only the way that they dress, but try and figure out why the why they dress the way that they do, and then take those underlying principles that they apply to their wardrobes. Albeit most guys who are successful do it subconsciously, yeah. But take those same principles and then start applying those to yourself. Okay. Because you get guys. I mean, I get clients who they're they're out in the Bay Area and they work in they work for a tech startup and they want to dress better. They want to be able to command more respect. They want to look more like they're not kids. Like they've they've paid their dues and they've earned their stripes within that world. But a suit is not appropriate for these guys, not at all. Because then they look like they're ex-tribe. They look like they're brand new in that world. They don't belong or. They're from the legal department or something else. Wearing a suit can hurt these guys in their credibility. It can hurt them in their mission. But if they can look at other guys within their business or within their industry who are dressing well and succeeding and start to emulate some of those things, then that's when they can really start to make some good progress. It's kind of like, I mean, not to, I'm not ragging on your question, but I just want to give you some, some no, context that's fine, with it. Yeah. So. It's kind of like asking, well, it, Tanner, if I want to get into good shape, what do I have to do? And it's like, okay, well, do you want to get in good shape like a CrossFitter or do you want to get in good shape like a boxer or like a marathon runner or yeah. a swimmer? Because they all have very different bodies and they're all in great shape in very different ways. And so you have to know what the end goal is yeah. before you can start figuring out what the tactics are that will get you there. And that's where most guys fall short. Honestly, that's where most style bloggers and YouTubers fall short is we just focus on suits and tactics, and that's it. And for a lot of guys, that's not even pointing them in the right direction. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't see. Like, there's not many situations where I would ever need to wear a suit. And I, I enjoy wearing suits. I enjoy dressing up um, when the occasion calls for it. But sometimes, I mean, like you said, you're talking about social fluency. Uh, you know, it's almost like knowing your audience and where you're at or even going to, like, an event or something and you want to look good. Maybe, I mean, maybe wearing a suit would be inappropriate on well, certain absolutely. occasions. Absolutely. It's kind of like I, I was always told, like, you know, going into interviews, especially in the entertainment industry, it's like know what you're interviewing for and yeah. and dress appropriately, you know. So in other words, if you're going in for an assistant job, don't don't wear a suit, you know, don't don't overdress, you know, yeah. dress like maybe, you know, polo chinos you know keep it keep it modest you know i always i always think of that uh that scene in Step Brothers. oh yeah <laughs> they show up in tuxedos <laughs> hello my baby <laughs> that was great and it's so obvious but that you take that back two notches and the principle still applies the same way and most guys don't get that the gentleman yeah. cosplayers don't get it that you're being just as bad it's only one or two degrees less but you're still on the wrong side of the spectrum it yeah. makes you look i mean it's it's a different sort of insecurity you know yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> definitely yeah oh well, john i think you had a couple of style questions you wanted to ask in terms of you know do you, okay yeah first and foremost where did hipsters go wrong <laughs> philosophically or aesthetically well, i could probably oh, answer both gosh. those <laughs> let's that's stick a really to a broad question that could take yeah. a whole other right. episode right okay i'll tell you run my with problem it with, as you will okay my problem with hipsters and especially their aesthetic is the big problem with the whole hipster ethos is it's a fear of sincerity hmm. when you live in a postmodern world where everything has to be treated as ironic or um, tongue in cheek or meta or fourth wall breaking or something else, then sincerity and the simple idea of right versus wrong is something that's deserving of ridicule or it's simple or it's goody goody or whatever kind of criticism you want to level on it. And so a hipster can wear the most egregious thing and really put himself out there. And then if somebody criticizes him and says, You look stupid, he's like, Oh, yeah, I'm just being ironic. Yeah. And so you don't it's get a way, it, it's a way to, exactly, it's a way to be a coward. Because you can just say, well, it's it's ironic. I don't have to actually stand up for anything or be sincere because everything I do is postmodern. And their aesthetic reflects that as well. And so I see it as not only philosophical but aesthetic cowardice where you you don't actually put yourself out there. You can just – you're it's my four-year-old kids. My, I, my four-year-old daughter did this today. She said something she wasn't supposed to say. We got on her case. She says, I was just kidding. And it's like, no, you weren't. <laughs> I know you weren't. And that doesn't count as a rule. And, and <laughs> it's the same aesthetic equivalent for the stupid hipster who's just like, oh, you made fun of me. I'm just kidding. And no, yeah. you weren't, dude. You tried. And I would I would respect you more if you actually owned up to the fact that you tried yeah. and you failed as opposed to I was kidding. Well, I feel like we see that like working in the entertainment industry. I've seen that a lot in the arts where – there's something that's just kind of um, abstract and and 
something I don't get. And I'm like, well, there's no story to it. And people go, well, that's not the point. You just didn't get it. And I was like, well, I mean, I think there are certain rules to storytelling. I mean, it's like, and then there's, oh, you don't get it, man. That's not, that's not what this thing's about. It's yeah. like, all right. I don't know. What do, what do you have any other ones, John? I know you had some good ones we talked about earlier. Skinny tie, fat tie, somewhere in between. It's always changing. What's the deal with that? <laughs> status is the deal with that, ultimately. Trends are always driven by status. You've okay. got guys within given tribes, whether that's like sartorial menswear with suiting or like the streetwear subtribe. And that's, uh, those are just you know menswear cultures. You've got bigger and broader tribes beyond that. And clothing is always a way that we signal status within our given tribes, whether that's your military rank or something else. And you've got guys who are higher in the hierarchy and higher in status, and they're the ones who are setting the trend. And then guys who are kind of mid-tier who start to adopt it. And then once the guys who are low-tier adopt it, then it's no longer a way to for the high-status guys to be able to distinguish themselves. So they have to change course and they have to go another direction. And so it's always going to be one big old cycle. And that's why now, if you pay attention to the guys who are really ahead of the curve in suiting, they're doing really full cuts. They're doing bigger ties, bigger lapels, because it's a way to move against the fact that you can go pick up a skinny suit and a skinny tie at men's warehouse, whereas six years ago you couldn't do that. So it's always status. <laughs> well, is there okay. – oh, go ahead, John. Uh, do you think we'll ever get to the double tie fashion like in Back to the Future Part 2? <laughs> That's what I'm holding out for. I'm holding out and I plan for a hoverboard that'll work on water, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, I got to I gotta get a piano tie. That's what I got to bring back. Or the one that's shaped like the fish. Um, but I, I, but talking about in terms of trends, um, is there any – is there such thing as a, as, as a timeless style? Does that even exist? Nope. No. Sure doesn't. I mean, you can look at things that kind of are neutral or they aesthetically look good. I mean, you can look back at uh, the, the example that's always used is somebody like Cary Grant or Fred Astaire. You can yeah. look at what those men wore in their prime and I can still see that and appreciate the aesthetic value for what it is. But mm -hmm. you better believe that if those men were in their prime in 2017, they wouldn't be wearing what they wore then because, again, it would be in, indicative of a lack of cultural fluency. Yeah, And then you take that out 150 years and suits 150 years ago were not even remotely close to what they are now. And then you go back 500 years or 1500 years and the principles of masculinity and clothing or aesthetic communication and all these other things, that's timeless. But the actual application of it is so dependent on what other people see and what the what the cultural and philosophical and political influences in the world are and, and religious underpinnings and all these under vari other variables that you can't just say, you know, a three-button suit with a medium notch lapel and a four-in-hand knot on a tie is always going to look good because it's not. Yeah. You know some guy back in the 1400s was calling tights timeless. It's like, it like, guys, the Van Dyke and the tights, totally timeless. Never going to change. Timeless. I'm following these stupid trends. Look at these idiots. Oh, man. I do. I, I, I have had to wear, as an actor, I've had to wear tights a few times in my day. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I, I, I can definitely see the benefit of wearing them underneath clothes, and especially in the winter. Oh sure, long <laughs> long underwear wise, yeah. Talking about yeah. Fa function over over style. Well, I was gonna yeah. say function over fashion, but I didn't want to offend our guest here. <laughs> function <laughs> over style. That's it. I'm done. Hang it up. <laughs> uh, what about uh, cargo shorts? Is that ever appropriate? <laughs> Man. I can I can't think of a single place aesthetically where that would be appropriate. Okay. I can maybe think of a few situations where it would have been functionally appropriate from maybe a military perspective. Yeah. But right. Unless you're in that particular location and, and, and in that environment, you can do so much better than that. <laughs> well, that's what we were we were talking about this before we came on, actually, how shorts like, you know, used to be called short pants. You know, they were basically meant for kids. And then, you know, I think it was probably circa, you know, turn of the century, World War II, where um, the British started wearing them in desert combat and stuff. So, I mean, it was it was never really like uh, a thing to wear shorts before. Now, I think it's like, you know, if, you know, if you're if you're, uh, you know, barbecuing or something, and you want to wear some khaki shorts like 
go ahead, but you know, oh yeah, I'll wear shorts in the summer. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Yeah, why not? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I've but had... cargo shorts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no. Unless well, it's unless it's 1997 and you're trying to fall into TRL. It's not <laughs> to wear shorts. Yeah. <laughs> At one point, I wore cargo shorts once in the last decade, and it was when I had to go shoot um, in Mexico. I had this shoot that was that was out in the middle of nowhere, and I had to keep camera lenses and equipment and stuff. But I okay. knew that it wasn't Boom. aesthetic. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly when you should wear them. Plus, yeah. you're outside of civilization at that point. Yeah, so, you, know. you know. Yeah. Plus, you're outside of civilization. Uh, you just, have to go all the way to Mexico to make it appropriate <laughs> <laughs> and justify the cargo space in each pocket. Yeah, exactly. You get a lot of complaints um, in Spanish. John, did you have any more questions? Uh, who's killing it? Who's not out there? And the you know the the people that we see. Are there any? Are there any prime <laughs> examples of somebody who's, who's that's kinda, it? The, the yeah. famous people. That's such a good question, especially because so many of them are not necessarily well dressed on their own. You know, they go to award shows and they're dressed by designers and stylists. Uh, guys who I really think are doing really well. Kanye West is always super interesting, especially because he's so high high status within his own tribe that mm-hmm. that man could literally pull off like the derelict from Zoolander and people would be <laughs> lining up to buy that just no problem whatsoever. And so even to just understand like the, the whole philosophy of style and how that works, Kanye is such a good example. Um, Ryan Reynolds, actually, whenever he does a GQ shooter, you see him do stuff. He does really, really well. I think I'm a little bit more partial to that because I'm similar to his age and uh, a father and not necessarily wanting to be like a schlub of a father, but wanting to still look like you've got it together. And he does a really good job with that. Um, yeah, those are the two the two guys who really kind of come to mind. But it's just paying attention to guys who who care about this stuff and use it to communicate other things other than – I peaked in college and I still wish that I were back in that point in my life. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, my style doesn't necessarily reflect that, but my Spotify playlist does. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe that's a lesson for another episode. Yes. Well, uh, thank you so much, Tanner, for coming on. Uh, where, where can people find you? I know you have a website where you help uh, men could go on there and fill out a survey uh, to kind of help figure out what their style is. Tell us a little bit about that before we, we close. Yeah, absolutely. So going deeper into this whole idea of knowing the direction in which you want to head, as I've studied style over the years and worked with a bunch of clients, what I've found is that most men fall within one of three different aesthetic archetypes or style archetypes. And it's based primarily on how you interact with the world. And so those are rugged, refined, and rakish. And based on whether or not you kind of primarily interact with the world through physical means and you, you're a blue collar worker, you get dirty or you like to work with your hands or you're a guy who likes to break the rules and you're a rebel, uh, a rebel and an outcast. And, or if you're a guy who kind of likes to climb the ladder, you like to follow rules and you want to be able to be financially and socially influential. Those all kind of fall within those three different archetypes. And if you know where you fit within one of those, then you can start heading in that direction because a rugged guy isn't going to benefit from a suit, nor is a guy who's a rake because it's going to look too conformist and he wants to break the rules a little bit more. Mm. And so on my site, if you go to masculine-style.com, it'll take you to – there will be a a few different places there where you can go in and take a quiz. It's like seven or eight questions long, and then based on the answers you put into the quiz, it's going to tell you which of those three archetypes is your primary one and get you pointed in the right direction. So you start knowing how you should actually start dressing to improve your life. All right, perfect. Well, um, we'll have to get on there and say, figure out where I fit in. Yeah, I want to hear what you guys got. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll, 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 tweet, we'll, we'll tweet it when the episode goes up, what we got from our, uh, from our uh, quiz. Uh, well, thanks again. And uh, people can find you on Twitter, Facebook, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, all of those. It's just at Tanner Guzzi, and that's G-U-Z-Y with one Z. And uh, the site itself is masculine-style.com. So basically anything related to masculine style or Tanner Guzzi, all of that's relatively unique. So you look up something with those, and it'll be tied to me. All right, awesome. Thanks again, man. And we'll have to have you on again as we explore different topics. I would love it. Thanks for the great conversation, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Tanner. Thank you. Have a good night. Well, that was a. I, I enjoyed that interview with Tanner. 
Yeah, we got to have him back. I thought it, he brings a definitely brings a fresh uh, look to the idea of style. Um, and yeah. I feel like he's he's in a market that isn't filled. You know, there are there are men looking to get style advice by people they can uh, relate to, not someone that's in the stuffed suit. Uh, or somebody that comes off as a stuffed suit or not somebody that's, you know, too outlandish or too flamboyant to relate to. It's more of a philosophy for him. You can tell yeah. like, like, and that's, and that's a good way of, of looking at it because, yeah. you know, when you turn it into an ideology or a philosophy, it's, it's much more timeless. So are, are we going to have to do some before and after photos of us going through his program? Uh, that would, uh, you know, that wouldn't be a bad idea, yeah. I guess. I mean, I always, you know, I, I always look good, so. I really love pants shopping, you know. <laughs> At the pants I, store. I have to bring someone along, you know, with the two-finger jiggle along the, uh, <laughs> the, the belt area to make sure they're fitting properly. Yeah. I just, I, you know, I don't know about you guys, but. I, I think the dressing room is so overrated. Sometimes I just try them on right, right there in the, you know, in the middle of everything. <laughs> I just, you know, I do that if I'm wearing an undershirt. I I'll find put something <laughs> over my undershirt. No, I'm talking about the lower half, <laughs> <laughs> and I don't, you know, I I like to go commando every once in a while. So <laughs> that should be a hidden camera thing we'll do for our Instagram. Uh, speaking of that, that could be a nice little uh, perk for our Patreon page. So if that's something you'd like to perk. see. Send us us a message uh, and let us know what kind of perks you'd like to see. That could be one of them. Yeah, and uh, as usual, you can follow us on the social media. And and thank you again for listening. All our links are always in the show notes. And uh, we hope you guys have a great week. And we'll see you next week. And, I mean, that's it. I don't have anything else to add. Do you guys have anything else to add? Why are we still here? Why are we still here? Why are you still here? The Ferris Bueller. <laughs> Ferris Bueller. Why are you still here? All right. Uh, all right, Portman. Play us out. We'll do it live! Damn thing sucks! This has been the Gentleman's Scofflaw Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher. Visit us on the interwebs at gentlemanscofflaw.com. Captain says his ice on the river. We ain't getting home if we don't break through. So damn cold, I can't help but shiver. Rise and shine, we got work to do.